is Ansel Doing It podcast. We're two queer Latinx besties navigating academia and trying to stay sane in the process. Each week, we talk about identity, relationships, astrology, and mental health. Join us as we figure out how to stay on top of our lives, our horoscopes, and our own self-work in these borderlands. Did it start recording for you? Yep. Okay. Ready? Ready. <laughs> Hi, friend. Hi. 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 Hello. That was like a really... <laughs> I don't know what that was. Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Happy March. March. It's April in a few days. I know. This Happy is March our and April. episode. <laughs> We're doing a real real good job of doing our monthly episodes. <laughs> we really are saying, you know, monthly te- technicalities here. Technicalities. Right. <laughs> we're, we're coming in at the end. But you know what? Good things are worth the wait. So. Right. We hope, we hope it was worth the wait for y'all. Mm-hmm. How are you? I'm okay. You know. Yeah. You're, you're okay. wearing a cute little beanie. <laughs> I'm in Champaign. I'm missing home. Mm. I had spring break last week. And uh-huh. I had a really nice time in Oakland with my partner. Why am I saying that? Everybody knows. Anisha. With Anisha. Yeah. Hello. Um, <laughs> a guest, an honored guest of the podcast. Come on now. <laughs> um, I had a really time, good time with Anisha and all our animals. And we did a lot of cute things. And. Um, it was really hard to come back, you know, like, I second that. yeah, so it's fine being in Champagne. Um, <laughs> <laughs> home. That's okay. Yeah. And yeah. What about you? How are you doing? <laughs> Thank you. I'm okay. Well, I'm glad that you got to spend some time with your, um, 11 dogs and cats. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> with your entire fur family it was good i also i went to la for my spring break which was two weeks ago i want to say now or a week and a half ago around there yeah ours was, was at the same time it wasn't last week but yeah oh, okay okay i was like has it been two weeks i don't think so but it's been like one and a half ish um it was rough i actually canceled class the first day back because i just wasn't ready and I, I think I'm realizing that I'm the professor and I can do that. Like I'm having, (laughs) we're talking a lot about like the transition outside of the PhD anyway. So that's one of the things I've not gotten used to yet is, is being the professor and having power. You are the syllabus. I am. (laughs) I wrote it. (laughs) I wrote the syllabus. Wow. Uh, Full circle. But yeah, I'm doing good. I loved LA. I got some sun. I got some really good coffee. I'm a coffee um, snob. Got some really good espresso in my system. Yes. And um, got to go to the beach and just enjoy and be with my partner. And um, I got to play lots of Batman, uh, Arkham Knight. Uh, Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but can we just... Can we just like take a second and just talk about how beautiful California is and just <sighs> how 
the eternal summer and spring there is just like like why would anybody ever it was 77 when i was there i just want to preface it with that seven Mm -hmm. seven do you know the last time i experienced seven seven was well yeah because i'm on the same boat as you (laughs) (laughs) i told you i told you it was like 20 degrees over here in champagne yesterday or some shit and Uh. I was like, what the fuck? I thought it was spring. Where the fuck is it? <laughs> it's 38 over there yet. today, right? <laughs> well, I've been in spring semester since like January and I'm, I'm Only still out here in a beanie. Only- <laughs> in a North Face jacket. <laughs> my first time owning a beanie in my whole life. That's and true. Me too. I have three ready, now. And- I'm ready to retire it. Actually, I, will, <laughs> I won't retire this. I will use this in the Bay Area. But I was going to say, come morning. on now. But Oakland. I've never had one before because I've never super needed it. Mm. Um, gotcha. But. Yeah, I'm starting to realize why people hate people from California. California. Yeah. Like, I'm really starting to understand. Too. Yeah, most of it is envy. So mm. I get it. I totally get it. But I do appreciate that during breaks like this and also the holidays, the people that are not from their leave. Mm-hmm. and the people that are from there arrive or stay right so right. i'm appreciating that when i do go all the hipsters are gone <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it, it was really nice to be back and and here we are now uh almost finishing out the semester which is wild to think about um in a pandemic no less here we but are yeah i'm good i'm good I'm, three million seven hundred and 45 <laughs> it really be like that it feels like it's to 845 oh, <laughs> the various variants oh uh, i know I mean, smith slapped chris rock last night you know like it's <laughs> out of control it really is people are losing it in all more ways than one out here right. um, i mean i'm about to slap some motherfuckers if the fucking temperature just don't go up over here <laughs> you couldn't slap the weatherman i don't know there's nobody to slap that's what's that's more the kind of day i'm having today just know that's okay just know. I'm <laughs> today. i feel like okay you're I'm feeling spicy somebody if there was anybody here <laughs> i am all alone <laughs> wow <laughs> You know what's so funny is that I never thought I would see a Libra slap anybody in such a public setting. What? Well, I guess that's true. Well, I think Libras have it in them, but I've never seen that side of a Libra before because most of the time. You know, I think it's because I intimately know a Libra. Yes, you have inside knowledge. I don't. Well, also, like I've seen my partner at work. And not that she would slap people, but she slaps with her words. You know what I mean? Yeah, though I'm used to definitely. I'm used to a that's, more I mean, like yeah, verbal. That's the, that's the norm. Yeah, that yeah. I'm used to more verbal takedown behavior. Last night, <laughs> which we're in Aries season, right? Truly, yeah. Which is the opposite sign of Libra, which is obviously very intense and uncomfortable for Libra placements. Yeah, like in the si- in the season of our opposite sign, we're often uncomfortable. 
So for you, it would be Pisces season. That's probably not the best. I was uncomfortable the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I don't care what season it is. I'm so cute. Yeah, I don't like um, I don't like Capricorn season. It makes me really sad and emo, and it's like winter. It's horrible. I'm a summer baby one, one hundred percent. So. Mm. I love I love the summer. Summer's my favorite time of the year. But yeah, I I don't even know what to say. I mean, we've we've definitely come a long way. Let's take a, a moment, but also there's just so much to learn, you know. Um, and that's kind of what today's episode's about. Um, this month's episode we wanted to dedicate to um, something I talked about in our last episode that folks really resonated with, which is the aftercare of a PhD. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mind if I define, put my little scholar hat on again and define aftercare for folks? Yes, please do. <laughs> so, so uh, <laughs> I'm already wearing my glasses. This is great. Uh, so aftercare is considered a, so it comes from two different places, right? Um, it comes from the kink community and in the kink community, it's considered a crucial aspect there where it's about caring for your partner before doing an after sex or sexual activity uh, or intimate activity. It doesn't necessarily have to include sex. Um, in these erotic spaces, love and care coexist with power and aggression. Oh, it sounds hot. Love it. Um, through the practice of aftercare at its most basic, uh, it is a post-play check-in between partners. And I love this other definition we found that's about the care given to a patient during recovery from an operation or after hospitalization or after the discharge from an institution, which I do feel like we were discharged from an institution. institution (laughs) Uh, Very abruptly, but yeah. You know, as much as I really like this definition, I'm like, "Mm, that applies more for my relationship than it is. Yes, it is. It sounds so sweet and gentle. Actually, yeah, the more accurate one with, with, with what we experienced, I think, would oh, be... we're talking idea. about today, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody checked in with me gently after erotic oh, sex or play, you know? Or before. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, my gosh. Maybe we can have an episode in the future about mm-hmm. like, sexual... Uh, yeah. Or king aftercare. Partner <laughs> partner after care <laughs> i know you that's don't not have to be you don't have to be into kink right i mean even just having sex like i don't i honestly kink. think more people need to learn about this even mm-hmm. though it comes from this community where it's important and it's a good practice to right. have like i think more people who have sex with other people should do this like check in constantly um it's all about consent too you want to make sure even you, when you're vulnerable with your feelings right like i mean yes like, very intimate but again, we digress because Sorry. Yeah. we didn't get, no, I'm, I'm saying for myself, like we didn't, we didn't experience none of this tenderness. No, <laughs> in we, our, in our PhD, we were like, we committed ourselves. If only. We committed ourselves to this institution that didn't love us. Mm. And that is based on like competition and productivity and making you feel like you don't know shit. And yep, violence. Yeah, that's what your training is, mind you. Plus, you're also trying to be a researcher, teach, write, all those other things. Oh, right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you're trying to, like, guide other people while you're being guided yourself. It's it's a mess. 
Yeah, and so like we were definitely discharged from an institution without any care uh-huh. or no any like without anything. No, not even a, not even a job most of the time. Yeah, not yeah. even. A- I mean, we did right, which we're like lucky and very fortunate. Uh-huh. But even if you have a job, which that's what is defined as success. Right. You did, you did a good job if you graduate. You're successful if you graduated from a PhD one, two, and then it only it only if you have some kind of postdoc or tenure track position, and that mm. also doesn't really account for like any so care much of your well being yeah. yourself or yeah like this is all based on work and job and productivity and capitalism and like how we value success based on this really workhorse mentality, which is, yeah, it's, 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 it's so harmful. It's so harmful. And it's also just like, so myopic and, um, unimaginative, you know, like I, I often think about the word imagination like I think about how much imagination is missing from the spaces we've been in and how people really don't want to imagine a better like way of being a better way of doing things, a way that's more mindful and compassionate. And maybe that's just my cancer being like, why don't we care about each other more? You know, like that, um, that part of mean girls where the girls like, I just have a lot of feelings, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> but truly, yeah, <laughs> it went through and through. That's like, the cancer moon. <laughs> how does this little baby cancer moon go through all of that? Through this PhD program, which, and, and that's the thing we've, we've talked, I don't know, I feel like we're, I'm like, there's so much, even of, I'm like backtracking into the PhD, mm. like actually being in the PhD, right? Of like, there's so yeah. much that, you know, happened there's so much that happened (laughs) (laughs) we we went through a lot i think we had a very interesting abnormal you can just take over no 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 (laughs) i I also should say that i'm like i am tired right it's a monday evening yeah i'm exhausted i think one thing i do want to circle back to at some point Mm. to both in terms of being in a PhD, post-PhD, the aftercare part, and maybe a whole new episode (laughs) is talking (laughs) about being neurodivergent, right? And like, I was diagnosed after, which I don't think I've talked about like on an episode because that all happened while we took our little hiatus. (laughs) Yeah, we were on a break. Right. While I was finally <laughs> taking care of myself, I got diagnosed with ADHD, which also made so much sense of why I struggle so much in grad school. Yes. Right? I don't process in the same ways that other people do. And I didn't know that. And so I struggled so much. And like learning about this now also makes me understand why my PhD was so difficult. Because, you know, don't get me wrong. I had a I had a really good mentor who's like a very close friend of mine now. And who's like very supportive, um, but just mm-hmm. that environment. So it's not even, and I had my friends, right? And, and, but just the space in and of itself, if you're not a grad student 
or you yeah. haven't gone through it or or you never want to go through it that I can understand why <laughs> for many reasons mm. right just the, the commitment it's a I mean it robbed me of my 20s right and like uh-huh. and of my youth but but really it's like it's just a toxic environment I feel like we've talked about this we've probably said this many many times like every upper, every other episode but like <laughs> That institution in particular was not made for people like us. So right. it's supposed to feel uncomfortable. It's supposed to, like, in some ways, the whole feeling of imposter syndrome, of feeling like we don't belong is very real because it's like, well, we weren't meant to be, no. be there or belong there or do the kind of work that we're doing in those spaces. So yeah. anyway, but I wanted to, to say that part of the... Obviously, it's at the forefront of my brain. Um, mm. <laughs> no pun intended. Right. This is something that has been so recent, like in the last six months, for me at least, being diagnosed with ADHD and like how mm. that's been so illuminating to my own trajectory and also to really, really struggling with it after. But yeah. Anyway. It's like looking back and realizing that so much of what you experienced could have been helped right by the diagnosis and the care that comes with that yeah absolutely yeah I think a lot about that actually now I have a sibling who also has ADHD and I have you in my life obviously and um I think you tell me every day that I might have it too um (laughs) so does your sister yeah it runs in the family we think we got it from our mom uh well I mean I mean, yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, yo, my mom definitely got something <laughs> going on. I'm like, this explains yeah. so a lot. Because all the <laughs> other diagnoses, I don't know. Like, I, mm, I can see it, but right. But the ADHD, I'm like, yo, that's like, I got mean. that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that definitely didn't skip me. ADHD fashion, we digress. Let's go back. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We're just proving, you know, the diagnosis right now. Um, Yeah, I think uh, one of the things I wanted to really discuss and and that came up in our conversation before this, like our pre-recording, this is the, and still doing it after hours. Um, We were talking about how I was uh, in a meeting with uh, some of the folks who I was hired alongside. I'm part of a cluster hire and we all have meetings regularly and, Folks were doing this program that rhymes with um, ESP. Um, that <laughs> <laughs> that is for new faculty. That is by this organization that shall not be named. That is very focused on productivity. Yeah, <laughs> diversity, productivity for new new faculty. Uh, if you have not gotten it from the two hints, I can't help you. Um, so it's a very intense program. It's I think. How many weeks? Like Whoa. twelve weeks. I was gonna say six. Twelve weeks, and um, you haven't done it, right? You're gonna no, do it. No, I'm. I'm about to. Yeah, it starts in May for me. And I did this program in spring of 2020. Yes, and one of the things I I picked up on having conversations with other new faculty of color, uh, women, you know, folks that have been historically marginalized and left out of the academy is that they felt really anxious and pressured by this and that they also didn't feel like they were given enough space to just be after the PhD, right? That I can totally understand, you know, 
this program in particular is very focused on getting you to produce academically. And by that, I mean, like, getting you to write every day, um, getting you to, like, publish and get your work done, focus on your work. And I think there's value to that. There's, like you said when we talked about it, right, like, there's value to be, to making space for your work and to, to valuing that part of yourself, right? Because a lot of us teach, 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 and forget about the research aspect of our lives, um or the work and that's important for programs like that to make space for it but i also think like the culture of academia and societally right mm-hmm. after the phd mm-hmm. it's like what's next when are you going to come out with that like it, you don't even have a time to breathe you know right it's just fucking right after yeah because i think like like you said right and i feel like i've said this many times before too or at least in my brain thought this when i was a graduate student i was like once I finish the dissertation, I'm going to chill. And it's like, that's such a false falsity in just so many ways. Because <laughs> again, right, the parameters of success or even of like, fuck success, right? But if, if you are really are invested in doing research and teaching and like being mm. in academia, like, I mean, we're here, right? We're still in it. And mm. so like, there is something about it that I'm still very much invested in, right? In terms of the mm. kind of research I want to do, the kinds of contributions, scholarly contributions that I want to make, the kind of impact I want to have on my students, right? So that's all very real. And that's like what drives me. But I think in terms of graduate school, there's this assumption I had as a graduate student that was like, oh, once I get to the dissertation, like everything's hard, right? Like first you're taking your your first three years you're taking your coursework and you're trying to like make sense of this really dense at least for me yeah yeah like literature and scholarship and you're supposed to be able to like engage in these conversations there's never any teach like writing i mean there's never any teaching around writing or how to write right as Uh a scholar it's this just this assumption that is made and then you're you're Uh you're like reprimanded for not being at the level you quote unquote quote should be at, but there's again, there's no teaching or pedagogy around it. And then True. then you have qualifying exams and you have oral exams. And so like there's there's these milestones that are constant and continuous. So yeah. you're just like, okay, the dissertation's the final thing, right? I'm gonna have this, I'm gonna do this dissertation. It's overwhelming, at least for me. And then you're supposed to also be on the job market. So everything, like mm. there's so many things happening all at once. And then. Especially towards the end, I would say. Especially towards the end, right? Because you should be finishing your disc plus on the job marking, market, mm. doing interviews. That's a whole job in and of itself. Really? And then, and then, so I was always like, once I have the PhD, I'll be chill, you know, and mm. I'll be good and I can relax. And that was me too, right? Like I did graduate with the with the tenure track position lined Mm. up so I graduated in June I mean I think I've definitely talked about this in past episodes right Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. I graduated in June of 2019 and then in August of 2019 I'm already starting as an assistant professor right which is awesome and looks great on paper and in terms of I don't know the status that that gives me but Mm. but in my as a person. Yeah. How I'm, did your body experience that? <laughs> I'm depleted. I'm exhausted. I'm, mm. I'm burned out. I think the best way to describe it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. I'm, I was burned out. And then 
my first semester is fall 2019. So I'm, you know, thrown into the, I'm, I'm ejected from one institution where I've been at for seven years, where like you were saying, when we, when Mm -hmm. we were talking about this before, right. I had a routine. Mm -hmm. I had my set of my community, Mm -hmm. right. I had my people, my day was very like, had a parking pass, you know. I had a parking pass. I knew where the parking was, where you had to yes. park to, you know, get closer to where I had to get to where I needed to be. Like, you, you knew know, where the like good food was. Just the daily grind of like where to get coffee, where I can go when I want to get snacks and take a break, and blah blah blah. Where to go to cry, which I, I had like a map of spaces to go cry. Exactly, and when you know who's on campus, and you could just go there, or like going to your friend's house who lives right by campus, and just these things that made, although there's like a lot of this toxicity within the structure and the infrastructure of this institution, it's like, we really, and by we, I mean like me and Angelica and like our group of friends really created like this, almost like this cushion around us, right? Yeah. Of, like, of protection of like this community of care where we really showed up for each other, cared for each other and like. Checked in constantly. We're just not supporting each other professionally, but like emotionally, spiritually in every way. And so yeah. it's like you have this nourishment and then all of a sudden that's all gone. Right. Because yeah. you have to graduate and then move on to this new thing. And then, boom, my second semester is COVID. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just starting to teach my new classes and then the pandemic. And so and you go virtual, right? Yeah. And so we go virtual. I mean, mm. you know, so it, 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 it was just, it was a lot, you know, I mean, I think, and then I, I, and, and you get, and I get there. Right. And mm. those markers, those milestones never stop. They never mm. stop is now what I've learned right now. Mm. It's like, even my first year, there's, if you're on the tenure track, you're going to have some kind of smaller review right I mm-hmm. at the CSEs are called mini reviews so you're going to have some kind of annual review where mm-hmm. you always have to write like what your productivity is in every area <laughs> in every area research teaching and service so you right. have to essentially show some kind of productivity even though it's a teaching institution and there's not mm. these high demands on research but it's like you still have you to know, say what you did yeah you still have to do shit and yeah so it's this constant grind that never goes away and not even when you get tenure, right? Because then once you get tenure, then mm-hmm. your plate gets, op- your, op- your plate it gets bigger and then <laughs> you also take more on, right? Yep. So. Not even on a postdoc newsflash, you know, well, my postdoc, right, yeah. um, is a two-year postdoc and. I I do think the expectations are a little bit lower, right? Um, In some ways, I sometimes feel very lucky that a postdoc is not as demanding or as explicitly hoop-based as a tenure-track position. But if I want to make any of the postdoc count for my tenure-track position (laughs) down the line, then I definitely need to keep up with the the game, right? The the service, teaching, and research game. and there's an annual review for me as well, even though I'm a postdoc, right? There, I was reviewed on each area. I had to explicitly say what I did. Everything had to be accounted for. Um, 
somebody came to my class and observed me, right? Wrote a formal evaluation of that. Like, there's just so much that I wish I'd known. And, and I think one of the things that I wish I'd known is that there would be no break, like you mentioned. Um, there I would be a loss of... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because then I would have been like, oh, okay. And, and, and if you're wondering right now and you're listening, well, what about the break between, like, the summer and... Um, you know, let's say you graduate in the spring and then you have the summer and then you don't start until the fall. That summer, at least for me. Right. And I think I'm in, I'm not alone. Yeah, it's not like a lot of people like me who had to move out of state for a new opportunity. When you have to move out of state and if you're listening and you've done this, it is time consuming. It is stressful. Expensive. So expensive. And so yeah, technically I didn't have a job anymore. I have a dissertation to like burden me and make me feel heavy each day. But I did have like <laughs> expenses and things to worry about. And how was my stuff going to get from California to Washington? And I spent like a month and a half planning my move, uh, if that. And then I had to actually do it. And um, nobody talks about that, right? And, and it's just such a intense, stressful time after such an intense, stressful time. That um, Mm -hmm. I think for me, like one of the things I wish I'd like when I think about, okay, if we're talking about aftercare, what would I what would I do differently or what would I wish had been there for me? I at least would have have like to know. Right. So that (laughs) I wouldn't be super surprised by how tired I was and how burned out I was. And now I graduated this past summer of 2021. So when I graduated, we were on the second year of our pandemic. Um, I had been teaching virtually for one year and a half, right? I did my uh, dissertation defense on Zoom and I did not have a formal graduation at all. I'm actually having one this this spring. Um, so for me, it just felt very anticlimactic and there was no transition. There was no celebration to mark the occasion. Um, and that's really hard, you know, because if you don't have these markers, these milestones marked by celebration, it can just all feel like a grind that has no end and it has no space for you to just sigh and breathe some relief, you know, like it's, it's, there's no release. Um, I wish I'd been given the opportunity for release and for celebration that a lot of pandemic PhDs didn't get. Um, I was immediately expected to be at a hundred percent in the fall. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't, and by that, I mean, I was in person, you know, like I came back to full in-person teaching and um, new place, and new, new place, everything new, literally mm-hmm. everything new, even the, yeah, everything's new. <laughs> we'll talk about that in another episode. That's a PWI. Um, <laughs> conversation for me anyway but uh yeah it's hard white institution yes yeah that's a whole (laughs) different ball game but yeah I, I think the aftercare would have looked really different I think um for me it would have been about really checking in with faculty about what do they recommend um someone should do I mean yeah I I just wish I'd really laid down more and been given the space to literally lay down (laughs) yeah literally like I wish I just slept more and and took the time to to rest I wish I'd been easier on myself you know that first semester teaching 
I, I tried was, to tell you, but yeah, you listen. <laughs> you know what? People tried to tell me, and I also didn't listen. <laughs> well, because again, you know, when you don't have prior experience of aftercare, right, or checking in like that, or, or care, or yeah. care, like especially in an academic setting, it it's really hard to work it into your life, right? Because it's so foreign, and so for me, like. I'm trying to like do better now, um, but it's hard. It's I'm going to be really honest with y'all. It's really hard to not fall into the same patterns because they're what's familiar to me and what I've known for so long. Yeah. You know? and it, I mean, real. I think, yeah. And I think that's the other really important part, right? That so much of this, this aftercare was, things that were missing from my relationship with myself that Mm. I had to create for myself and prioritize. What do I mean by that? Like, basically, so like, I want to say, you know, again, it's, it's really these structures and the institutions. I'm not necessarily talking about specific people. Because even, mm-hmm. like, for me, I'm really grateful that I landed where I landed at San Jose State because the people there were really caring and were really, like, had my back. And I really felt cared for, like, by my chair, mm-hmm. by my colleagues who've become friends. Like, they were all really supportive. My chair was really, um, how do I say, like, transparent in terms of making sure that I knew that he was invested in not giving me very much service so that I could just like acclimate. Focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like acclimate. And he's like, I don't expect you to get good teaching evaluations. And I was like, at first I was like offended, like, please, you don't know. Me. <laughs> and th- but then I'm like, oh, he didn't like, mean oh. it in like the he didn't mean it in like a fucked up way. He meant it in like a way that like don't put pressure on yourself and you know, like you're still getting, it's your first semester, you're coming from a different program, like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and so I'm like, after the fact, I'm like, wow, I really appreciate that I had this really, it was a really gentle place to land, but it's still in academia nonetheless. And so what that Mm -hmm. means is that I knew that no matter what, I still had to be productive, right? Even though Mm -hmm. everybody's telling me to relax and to get easy and to like, ease into it and slow down I'm just like no I have to publish like I have to mm-hmm. and at that point and even still like I really had this tumultuous relationship with writing or like fear of it and like I yeah. it was such it felt like such a burden and so it was it was a lot of all that to say that a lot of what came up for me during or like in this aftercare or or kind of looking back is that a lot of the ways I engaged in academia, both as a graduate student and in my first and second year was from this place of fear, scarcity, like fight or flight, kind of like trying to survive, but being so fucking scared because I feel so marginal in the spaces and like trying to proof in some way right that I belong and and it was it got so bad at some point that like I think that's once I went into my second year I wanted to quit because I'm like (laughs) 
I have this PhD, but I'm not happy. I don't feel fulfilled by this because I'm driving myself up a wall. And it's not my fault alone, right? Like, even though my colleagues are nice, they're still like, I still do have to ensure that I get tenure, right? Um, To keep mm -hmm. my job there. If I ever wanted to, for some reason, needed to move somewhere and and wanted to look for another job, you know, if I want to move back say, to L.A. to, like, care for my mom, if I needed to do that, like, I need to publish and, like, be marketable and, like, you know. Keep up with it. it, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's this very, like, immigrant slash child of immigrant mentality of, like, I just have to fucking hustle. Mm. Even if there's not a fire, it I have to create a fire because... Or imagine the next fire that doesn't exist right. yet. Right. Always yeah. imagine the worst and prepare for that because mm. you have to just be ready and you have to overcompensate constantly. And I think, I think mm. so much of this has to do with, like, for me, myself and I, of, like... <laughs> Seeking validation outside of myself and like never getting it. And so never feeling like enough. And so feeling Mm. like I had to constantly over pour so much into this institution that was never going to show me, was never going to mirror that energy, you know? And, and, And so at some point it was very toxic, right? But because that's the kind of codependent toxic relationship I was having with myself and the institution. (laughs) And academia, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, where at some point I'm just like, okay, like I, that's why this post deck has been nice for me, right? Because. Yeah, you needed that. I, it gave me time to just like come back to myself because in graduate school, in graduate school and and in the first couple of years i mean i was i lost myself i didn't know what i liked anymore mm-hmm. i didn't know what made me happy i didn't know what how to have fun anymore it was like me i was a machine that was just like so hyper focused on like you know advancing in my career mm-hmm. but there was nothing I wasn't being allowing space for to be fulfilled by anything else. And I do think, again, this other part of of the piece for me that I'm kind of discovering or like maybe reevaluating with this new lens is also having ADHD, right, where I didn't understand until now how that impacts, how I learn, how I process, why reading was always hard for me why yeah why like um why i always felt like i was behind mm-hmm. why it was so hard for me to focus and i'd get distracted easily and like just so many things that also impacted and exacerbated these feelings of feeling like i was dumb not enough like, like imposter syndrome exacerbated imposter syndrome, by that exacerbated right because i'm mm-hmm. also learning that people with adhd have like um it's hard much harder more they're more sensitive to like rejection more sensitive mm-hmm. to like 
Which academia is uh, full of, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, it's so right. much. <laughs> so anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll stop talking because I shared a lot, but. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so you can go ahead and share a little bit about. Or no, I just want to say thank you for, for sharing, though, because we haven't really. We've talked about it casually and like we've broken it down with each other. But hearing you say that just makes me a little sad and emotional that like for so long, baby Jack was like trying to do the best that they could and and somehow you saw how hard i worked i mean you were there yeah yeah like i'm a witness i'm a witness to the struggle literally the bitch that was like can we hang out but like can we not do work (laughs) (laughs) what i can't know you were like what do you mean because what do you mean (laughs) and so i like have to read this book five times even though i'm reading it and nothing is it's just going, you know, it's not. That's so like, funny. <laughs> yeah. Because, because my anxiety is going. So like, I'll read, I'll be reading this book. That's really hard to understand. I remember with the decolonial imaginary with Emma Perez's book, <laughs> everybody was like, this book is amazing. You it's read it three times. Huh? I read it five times. Cause I had yeah. to present on it and I could not fucking understand this fucking I'm like, okay, liminal space. I kind of get it. <laughs> and then that chapter on like the psychoanalysis of like the Oedipus complex, all this shit. Hey, stuff. you know better than me. You read it five times. I'm just like, first of all, and I love Emma Perez. She's really cool. I've met her in person. She's amazing. But yeah. like, and I get it, right? She's writing to particular people, but I'm just like, this is not accessible to me, just mm. plainly. And then on another level, when things are not accessible, what I'm learning is, right, I check out and then I'm anxious about not being able to understand it, that I have like 10 million other thoughts in my mind as I'm reading. You overdo it. I'm not even taking in the information. So I literally read that book five times and I presented (laughs) and I still, I got fucking reprimanded because by the professor, because... I didn't focus on that chapter because I was like, well, I don't get it. So <laughs> I can't even remember half of that. Like I have such middle child, like um, amnesia that I, I forget really like violent, harmful things in my life. I just block oh, them out. And you know, that um, was semester I had my, I mean, I can get it, go even more. We went through a lot. I was in and who was in that classroom, who was teaching that class, who were the two students in that class, <laughs> all the drama that had happened. I mean, I don't even want to say all that, but so much you there. Know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think for me too, like the way that we weren't taught to care for ourselves in graduate school extended into how we are re having to learn how to care for ourselves as faculty. So like, you know, you not having the information or the diagnosis to, to understand those experiences, me not understanding that so much of like what I didn't know was classism, you know, like, cause there were people who had the tools. There were people who were having a better time, at least um, transitioning outside of the PhD. And usually those were the people that had more privilege, right? Oh, well, those were, yeah. Without a doubt, those were people that um, 
kind of knew, right? They had the social capital. They knew people in their life who warned them about, for example, the burnout or who warned them about, you know, moving to another state would be expensive. So they saved up money because they knew ahead of time that that would be expensive. Um, so these things I didn't know. And I think for so much of what you shared too, like graduate school really like distracted me from, from myself, you know, it provided this, because it makes you like it makes you feel like everything is so fucking urgent and then but it also disembodies you yes yes. it disembodies you it makes you focus in your on your mind so much and and what your mind has to do to to do this work whatever to produce the writing whatever it is that you have to do in grad school um and then you kind of only know how to live with your mind after that right you only know Mm -hmm how to like get yourself to to do this thing that and i'm doing a lot of hand motions towards my head because my mind my brain at least is very tired you know but my body has no idea where we are <laughs> you know like my body is like what happened a lot of disassociation right like- totally yeah like i completely forgot what it was like to feel my body you know like i also have issues with that in general like i have a really hard time just sitting with my body being in my body and so grad school just exacerbated that but the last thing i want to share is like you know i could no longer read for pleasure i'm still working towards that i have books sitting in my nightstand that are really pretty to look at i still haven't opened them because grad school just last summer like two years after yeah so if you're listening to this for tips Honestly, my tip is don't rush to anything. Don't rush to read the book that you bought for yourself for pleasure. If you're having trouble even opening it, I'm there with you. We're supposed to be super smart and we did this really smart thing. And yet we can't even read like fucking erotica. I get it. You know, like we can't even read. What is my friend Liana call it? Smut. We can't Mm -hmm. even read smut, you know, like it's really hard. So just be really easy with yourself. Like the best thing I do for myself these days. And I told Jack and Jack was cracking up is I sit on my couch. I clean my house as best as I can turn on my candle and I put on my Korean dramas. And that is the happiest I've been in my body in a very, very long time, (laughs) very low stakes. So whatever makes you feel super happy, do that. Let your body guide you back to yourself, you know? Yeah, and I think that's really powerful to think about, not just for the aftercare, but for the during care, right? <laughs> yeah. like, or even before, right? If, and it, I think these are also lessons that are like, you don't have to be in academia or in graduate no. school to, to take something away from this. I think the most important thing from this is that, like, it's important to prioritize those things that nurture you and that make you happy. Right. And like, like they don't have to be productive or validate any part of who you are. They just have to be things you love. Yeah. And you don't have to let go of those things to do what you want to do. Right. I think Mm -hmm. for, for me in particular, I, it was easy to let go of all those things that made me feel whole because I struggled 
so much with fitting in mm-hmm. in terms of you know feeling like i like imposter syndrome feeling like mm-hmm. i belonged or feeling like i was stupid and needed to like work harder and mm-hmm. i did i worked like five times harder than everybody else but and not like i get it's not like some kind of competition in that sense but it's like that's what i had to to get through that's what worked and and didn't work in, in some way <laughs> you know like it worked but it'll i sacrificed a lot and i don't know that i would do that again you know i remember i started graduate yeah. school i would run you know um i would run all the time and then even I remember like this person was even like, how do you have time to run? Like, shouldn't you be reading? <laughs> and I remember like really taking that to heart. Mm. It was somebody in our cohort. Um, mm-hmm. You might imagine who. Um, yeah, I, I uh, it's like that game of who's who where you like bring down the little like, um, I know exactly who. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, and so I like, I was very impressionable you know yeah and And you were looking for signs to belong right you were so we are sponges and this person was like very performative very much like they know everything they got they got the shit on lock very much middle class very much had resources very much belonged in spaces like this Mm. and was telling me like how do you have time to like run like you know so i think that was like my first year so I remember like and I didn't stop running but I know that it was like those kinds of messages that was like and also the the other thing too it's it's not just the institution it is people right because you see faculty members who don't take care of them yeah who have these expectations of you because they also judge themselves by those same expectations to Mm -hmm. not do anything but live breathe and die (laughs) like Mm -hmm. like this shit and so like they're not taking care of their bodies they're not healthy they're not you know and they're rewarded you know yeah with promotions and and they're rewarded prestige but but their family life their personal life their well-being oftentimes does not get rewarded (laughs) you know I, i remember feeling a lot of shame about leaving my academic stuff at work, you know, like, because I was taught that in order to be successful at what we do, we have to take it with us home. We have to sleep with it. We have to think it, eat it, breathe it. And I was like, no, once I crossed my door and went to my apartment, it is Korean dramas. It is watching food videos. It is cooking for myself. It is calling my partner on FaceTime and having dinner together, you know, because we are apart right now. Um, it has nothing to do with my work. You know, I put in the time. I feel good with myself. Sometimes it's harder to feel good. But most days I feel really good with leaving it behind. You know, yeah, I think that's important, right? Those boundaries that like. Yes. I mean, I used to be really bad at, with boundaries in general, with my family, with partner, with. <laughs> with school, right. So I think this is, yeah. this is really a conversation about boundaries. <laughs> Absolutely. The boundaries we don't learn to have and the boundaries we continue to violate after uh, we graduate. So I do hope that this conversation encourages you to have more boundaries and to have less shame about the things that you enjoy, whether they go with your work or not. You know, I think a lot of us think that our job is supposed to be our identity. It's not. 
you know we yeah. invest so much of our identity into our job yeah i was always an artist that's you real know? that that what you just said right there i think is the biggest yeah. one of the biggest kind of like como se dice like i don't know there's so much disillusionment right and like there's so much attachment to this identity and like mm-hmm. leaving mm-hmm. that or like graduating from this like base and then going on and you have this PhD and like you have all this like I don't know bullshit (laughs) it's also it happened in in a really formative literally formative for our brain time you know like our brain doesn't fully mature until we're 26 our frontal cortex and our decision making part doesn't mature until then so like literally we spent because you and I went in around the same age right like our most vulnerable kind of brain forming time happened. At, and so we invested so much of our identity into, into being doctors in this sense. And I, I'm really happy that I had a healthy balance between being an artist and being a scholar. And sometimes they are in conflict, but I'm happy that I was never fully in, you know, because it was easier to step which, out of the which pool. You struggled with, but all but, the time, <laughs> but but you never let go of that, which is, yeah, it's like really huge because, because I think that saved you. Right. Like, and Truly. that's why I love uh, now I'm like, fuck these people who came in older, you know, like I think of some of our friends who are like closer, like in their later twenties. Yeah. I'm like, like they still had to deal with a lot of the toxicity, but I think they, they had their priorities straight, right? In terms mm-hmm. of like they have lives outside of this space. Yeah. You know, and I think that was my struggle. I didn't have a life. I didn't want to have a life outside of that because I felt like I, I had no other choice. Yeah. So this is a this is for those of you who are um in their late twenties and lost your identity to the PhD and are trying to okay. find out who you really are. Mm-hmm. Not to say that your work isn't important, but just to say that you are more than the degree that you received, you know, and that you are capable of so much. So we want you to. And that that goes for everybody. You're more absolutely. than your job. You're more than your job. your job. Capitalism will not love you back, babies. Yeah. And, you know, I really something that I have found. Um, I don't. Like something that that has been helpful with men, like many things, right? It's just like one, I'm, it's like this process is putting yourself back together, right? Like, like literally, piece by come piece. through Koyoshauki, right? Like remembering, <laughs> literally, re putting the pieces of yourself back together, mm-hmm. right? Because you're definitely shattered in graduate school. But then also, I think about I don't know if y'all follow the Nap Ministry on like all the social medias, but mm-hmm. um, it's. I forget the name of the woman, but it's a black woman somewhere in, I think, Atlanta, who, like, Mm. founded the NAP ministry. And she talks about, like, not only the importance of napping, but, like, it's really, like, a critique of capitalism and this whole, like, productivity shit. And it's, like, Mm. if you're tired, take a nap. Like, literally, that is your body giving, like, your bodies are so smart and they're giving us information. Anyway, I would, like highly recommend folks check out the nap ministry because Mm. she's very much preaching about you know um, exactly this yeah about this yeah like yeah 
fuck capitalism, like lay down. Yeah. And even if your institution didn't give you the aftercare you deserve, you need to give yourself that now. And it won't. So (laughs) you need to carve that out and prioritize that for yourself. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. um, All right. Thank you all for listening. I'll get yeah. a box now. <laughs> <laughs> this has been our March episode on the aftercare after the PhD and honestly any institution that you've been confined to for more than five years. Um, we truly appreciate y'all coming back to listen and, and, and y'all have been so supportive in the in the aftercare of our year-long hiatus. Yeah. So we just want to say thank you and we love you and we'll see you next month. Yeah, see y'all next month. Bye. Bye.